and welcome to CigarCast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Edmond. I'm joined, as I am every week, by Mr. Shane Reeves. The newer, more positive Shane. Well, that'll balance me out very well, because as I told you before we started the show, I have not had anything to eat since my Cliff Bar at 7 a.m. this morning, so I'm a little punchy. Uh, but we do have a good show this week. We're going to talk, uh, we've got some etiquette things, we've got a whole uh, bit of information on Connecticut Leaf and Connecticut Wrapper that's going to be super interesting. Um, going to talk some uh, how to relight a cigar and a couple of other things. But first, let's get our sticks lit up. Yeah, so our stick this week is a gift from a listener, which is always encouraged and very cool. And all Matthew actually gave us some CAO Nicaraguans. And, you know, it's interesting to me is, is that I'm a huge fan of the Brasilia, and I've never had the Nicaragua. I've had the Nicaraguan. I like the Nicaraguan. And all, now, this is the smaller size. Is this the Petite Corona? Is that what you would call this one? Uh, I'd call it a Corona. Yeah, Okay. Madagalapa Corona is what they're calling it on Cigars International. And it has a Honduran wrapper, a Nicaraguan filler, and a Honduran binder. Um, CAO, let me talk to you for a minute. If you're going to call it the Nicaraguan, does it not, would a Nicaraguan Puro not make sense? It's not like you can't make a good Nicaraguan Puro. So I'm a little I'm a little worried as to why the CAO Nicaraguan has so much Honduran tobacco in it. Yeah, it's also got. Now is this the original blend? I yes. don't think they changed it when they moved it over when CAO got bought out. Did they? Actually, this was not around. This is only oh. two years old. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. this is on. This one was only released at the show a uh, year before last. That's right. I remember that now. It, which is really interesting because when I put it in my mouth, it's in cold draw. It's got a very old school flavor to it almost in not a great way almost a little old tasting well so that's still the cold draw mind you it's been about a year year and a half since i smoked one last one i smoked i remember specifically i bought it at corona cigar down in orlando right before i got on a cruise boat and i smoked it on the boat so i don't recall exactly how i'm expecting to get that Nicaraguan, that little drier taste, and that Honduran, that almost tinny flavor, is kind of my expectation of the cigar. But it'll be interesting as we smoke it to actually see if it it meets that expectation. Yeah, I I usually find, like you were saying, tinny kind of metallic taste out of Honduran tobacco. Usually not in a bad way. Occasionally people get it wrong, but for the most part, I tend... I feel like I'm going to have really... I've got a liter of water sitting on the table in front of us, and I have a feeling that thing's going to be empty by the time we finish this show, though, considering how much Nicaraguan tobacco and Honduran tobacco both tend to dry a palate out. So before we actually get to the show part and start talking about news in the cigar industry, I've got, I've got to get a recommendation from the expert. I think it's time for a new cutter in my life. Really? So I've carried the Calibri SV cut. I got three or four of them, and I've carried it for a long time. Uh, about a year and a half now, right? Yeah, about a year and a half now, and I like it. But I found that I've I've totally wandered away from the V cut. Every cigar I smoke is either a straight cut or a punch. Huh. And so this is you know it's heavy as a as a iron bar. Right. I think it's time to pull the cover, pull the trigger on a really nice guillotine-style cutter. What would be the expert's recommendation? You know you can't spring stuff like this on me. Sure I can. I just did. Uh, so World didn't come to an end. It's not raining mice. You know, we're in good shape. I, I really like the, the S-cut version of that cutter. So without the V on the back. It's a little bit thinner than the traditional V-cut. We've talked about it on the show many times before. I don't carry mine anymore because I need to get the blade fixed. But do you like the action of the SV-cut, or are you looking for something a, still a little bit thinner, a little bit lighter? I'm looking for something nimbler. Okay. I'm looking because the problem that the SV-cut is, it's such a thick cutter. If I want to take just a bare slice off the wrapper, you know, basically scratch half the wrapper and just dig out the middle, I'm 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 looking at I'm looking at Zycar 
teardrop carbon fibers. What is that one? Oh, so you're looking to drop some change. Well, if it's going to be a, you know, it's a daily tool, it's yeah. worth spending a little cash on. Uh, what about that one that Jonathan Brennan had, that super sharp? Yeah, the Slim. Yeah. That, that's actually the Zycar Slim. Okay. Do you want spring-loaded or do you want something that you have to, for me, daily carry on a cutter, I want spring-loaded. Yeah, have to have spring-loaded. Um, and I want something that looks nice, something that has a little character to it, but something that I'll I t- can manipulate very easily. I'll tell you what, two, three, actually, because we took some time off, I think four weeks ago now, we talked on this show about the maglev right. cutter from Screw Pop, maybe? Yeah, the Screw Pop that has the magnets in it. I would go with that. If you don't like it, I will buy it off of you at full retail price. Okay, I may have to. I may. I'm gonna have to look into that because, like I said, I'm doing my research, but I'm finding that the SV cut is just too thick to get the accuracy that I want. Now, the SV cut's a great cutter. It is, but it's to me, it's more of a tabletop lighter or a tabletop cutter. It's not something that really lends itself to everyday carry. Well, and I'm getting to the point in the skill level where I can take and you know really get down to the thinnest slice possible off of my cap. You know, where basically I'm just scratching the cap as opposed to actually cutting it, which is what I like. I like that, you know, because I can test the draw and I can always take a little more if I have a nimble enough cutter. Right. And all, but I'm I'm, I'm working on that because I, I have looked at the Calabri straight cut, but it kind of has the same problem. It's still a pretty thick profile cutter. I want something pretty thin. Except that it does give, I mean... Yeah, you're you're right. It is. I really like it. I think compared to the Zycar Teardrop, which is my everyday carry, I've got an XI3, uh, which is a phenomenal cutter. Mine is really starting to show its age. Uh, I think the Calibri S cut is actually superior to this. I was actually carrying, for my birthday uh, yesterday, was carrying the Lamborghini cutter, which is also made by Calibri, and it's kind of a predecessor to the S-Cut. It's a much thinner blade. I'm, no, I left it at home, otherwise I'd let you see it. Um, it's about 100 bucks retail. You can find them a little cheaper. Sure. But the action on that thing is so smooth. The blade is really thin. Before you make your decision, let me bring that around and let you try it out. If you're willing to spend a little bit of money on something that you know is going to work and know is going to last, right. let try that Lamborghini cutter that I that was in the picture I posted yesterday. I think you'll really like that too. I'll have to I'll take a look at it. You need to bring it around and let me fool with it yeah. and see kind I don't of usually make a habit there. of walking around with $250 worth of lighter accessories in my pocket, but I thought, you know what? What the heck? It's it's special day. I'm going to celebrate. I wish I knew somebody that had a good ST DuPont straight cutter. Cuz I would like to see cuz the reputation is there. I would like to see what the what the functionality, the ergonomics of it are. The Prometheus of the same design is better. I have used See, both. And I, I have a Prometheus that's of that design that I don't like. It's yeah. the Opus. Calibri makes one that is very similar as well. Uh, the thing that DuPont has going for is the fact that you push it in to release it versus Prometheus where it's that top right, trigger. Right, where you, where you got to push it down. Other than that, the action is identical. Yeah, and I think that's what I'm looking for is one that will actually fit in the palm of my hand while open. Because that'll give me the most nimble. Yeah, and I think, especially with the with the Calibri, which is actually a Lamborghini model, it's going to be too fiddly for you. I think the problem, I mean, the Prometheus is also the biggest one. Everything else is going to feel fiddly in your hand, I think. Okay, well, bring me, bring me your Lamborghini. I want to take it for a test drive. Okay. And also, our first article. Yeah, so I want to talk about this because of the fact, I want to give the backstory on this. Because I was telling you before. So I have, pulling the curtain back a little bit, I have a Google alert set up for cigars. That's, you know, early on in the show, we got most of our information from Aficionado and Half Wheel. But I wanted to kind of spread out and get stuff from other different sources. And that's kind of how I keep track. And most of the time, there's a couple new articles a week. Just because there's not a whole lot in, in mainstream, you know, media, periodicals and stuff about cigars. Until this week, holy cow, it was a 
four pages long because everybody and their brother and the paparazzi and Yahoo Entertainment News and everybody was all up in arms over stinking Nick Jonas. Right, who prior to this this magazine article, I wouldn't have known him if he walked in here and cut a cigar and sat down. I couldn't tell you a single, single song that he has sung. Is it just me or does he have the same look on his face in every picture you've ever seen of him? Yeah, he kind of looks... Um, like, he just... He's got one face. Well, and here's the thing. You know, the the haters, if I can use the vernacular, are saying, oh, it's such a bad influence for children. It's such a bad... What about the children? What about the children? The rallying cry of the, of the crazy people. If your kid is picking up cigar aficionado and buying cigars based on the fact that Nick Jonas is on the cover, you've probably, you've probably took some wrong steps. Well, especially, I love in this article I have from iHeartRadio, from one of the fans, um, you're promoting young kids to use cigars and three question marks. Why and three question marks? Okay, Cigar Aficionado is not Tiger Beat. Right, it's he, not highlights. He's not posing for... Uh, some teeny bopper magazine. He's, it's a cigar industry periodical. And he's apparently the first person under 30 to ever be featured on the cover, which is a pretty big deal. Here's the even deeper question. If he showed up on the cover of High Times, would there be as much outrage? Uh, or would the same jerks that are defacing cigars be okay with him, you know, holding something he hand-rolled out of marijuana? Can we, I mean, can we, here's the other thing. While 21 and Up fans were excited to hear about Jonas's venture into the alcohol business, fans of all ages weren't happy to see the 26-year-old posing for... So, okay. Um, tequila's fine, tequila, cigars are bad. Tequila's fine, cigars are bad. Is that really the... It just... The, the hypocrisy astounds. You know, I'm very excited. Like I said, I'm embracing a more positive outlook on life. The pendulum's got to swing the other way. We're all the way to the left right now. Our pendulum of our media and of our social media and of our colleges and all of this stuff is so far left now. How great are the next 10 years going to be as it swings back to the right, as it swings back to, hey, he's a grown man. Let's let him do what he wants to. He enjoys this. Except, never mind. I'm, <laughs> I'm a little too punchy tonight. To, to head down that road. So I'm going to, we can talk about that after I'm, the show. I'm, I'm baiting you. You <laughs> are, and you almost got away with it, too. I know. I, I, you, you were on the hook. You just happened to shake it the last second. What can I say, Shane? You are a master baiter. <laughs> so let's. baiter. <laughs> um, so one of the things uh, that was really interesting that you brought to the table this week are three articles that all happen to have kind of a similar theme. I find this really exciting when we get the opportunity to talk about one subject from multiple different angles. That doesn't happen very often. Yeah, you know, the first thing I saw was the Romeo and Julieta featuring the Connecticut rapper, but it's a Nicaraguan cigar. Can I tell you how excited I am for this cigar? The As I've talked about on the show many times before, the 1988 Nicaragua from A.J. Fernandez and H. Upman right. is easily my favorite cigar of the moment, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. I really can't wait. I mean, the, the Nicaraguan releases that they're doing, um, and I really like the existing Nicaragua that doesn't have the Connecticut wrapper. I think this is... Uh, I think this is going to be phenomenal. Well, you know, I was purchasing Cruz cigars, and I purchased a couple of the Romeo um, Juliet Nicaraguans with the orange label. If my wife doesn't smoke them before the cruise, honey, put that back in the humidor. If my wife doesn't smoke them before the cruise, I plan to enjoy that on the cruise. We've, we've had an issue this week. I've looked over a couple of times, and my wife has had one of her crew, one of my cruise cigars in her hand smoking it, <laughs> which is really disturbing on a lot hey, of levels. I'm, I'm thinking you were I, the one that wanted to get her off of flavored well, stuff. I think I have made a mistake. I think it's time to to maybe that kitty's out of the burlap now. Maybe maybe I can go get an acid twenty. You think I can get her back? You know the the overall reviews of the acid twenty have been excellent. You think I can get her hooked again? <laughs> 
I'm just saying I need a, I need a little um, I need a little relief here. Last night she had one of my really nice ones that I have never smoked, but Hutch highly recommended Monte Cristo in her hand smoking it, and I was like, I was saving that for the cruise. You're gonna have to now get another humidor, a third humidor, which is the Glinda doesn't know about it humidor. I actually think what I'm going to... And when she hears this, that wasn't my idea. I just, well, no, that's actually what I'm thinking of doing is going ahead and packing my travel humidor for the cruise, burying it on a desert island, X marks the spot, dry, drawing a treasure map. You know, go full pirate with protecting these cigars from her ravages prior to our cruise time. <laughs> so, anyway, back to the Romeo and Juliet, Connecticut. Yes. I'm excited about it too because I've, my, you know, we've talked about it on the show. My palate has really been going Connecticut lately, and the Nicaraguan is such a good cigar that I think it's going to be enjoyable. It is, and and what's what's so special about this one is that it's a type of wrapper leaf that's actually never been used before. So it's a Connecticut seed wrapper, but it's not grown in the Connecticut River Valley. It's actually grown in Esteli under shade under cheesecloth. Right. So this will be the first time this type of seed has been grown in these conditions and then used in a full production cigar. So it it does have the potential to flop, being such an unknown quantity. But being Romeo and Julieta, I have a feeling they probably know what they're doing over there. They've really got their act together in the past couple of years. And it's Placentia tobacco. So we know it's high quality, expertly grown tobacco. So it, it's, it's worth getting excited about, and that leads us to our next article. Speaking about the Connecticut tobacco crop, this is from Aficionado. This is supposed to be a red-letter year for Connecticut tobacco because our weather conditions have been perfect. And I feel like we talked about this not too long ago about how with a significant drought compared to previous years, even though the crop itself hasn't been as plentiful, what you get as a result of that is a much better, much more flavorful crop. Well, any tobacco farmer will tell you, you want a lot of rain on the front end and you want no rain on the back end. And then you can just delve out how much water. You know, as Stuart Arnold, the owner of S. Arnold and Company Farms in Westfield said, it's, I can always add water. It's impossible to take it away. Right. And that is really supposed to be a bumper crop. But now this is what's interesting. In this article, he talks about he's only growing about 15 acres of shade-grown um, tobacco this year. That's not much. But 30, as opposed to 36 acres two years ago. But he planted 40 acres of broadleaf because Connecticut broadleaf is now in higher demand. It's interesting how the market kind of rises and falls. Yeah, which we're seeing a lot more Connecticut broadleaf hit the shelves, which obviously the, the tobacco that's being grown and harvested this year won't make its way into your humidor for at least two years. Oh, at on minimum. average. Yeah, at minimum. Minimum two years, and it just depends on what cigar they put it in and how they stock it and the pilons, how they age. You know, so there's so much about it. But another interesting thing that he pointed out in this article is that the Connecticut shade is actually grown and primed, whereas the broadleaf is a stalk-cut product. It is hung on the stalk and actually dry. It was interesting. I've been driving into the northern part of the state a lot more lately, and I drove by where the stalks on the back of the trail. I want to. We've got this little area in on off the back porch. So we've got this little uh, um, flower bed that's no bigger than the table we're sitting at. And even though it's not on our property, it's our responsibility to keep it free of weeds or the HOA sends a letter and all that stuff. I want so badly to plant a tobacco plant right there. <laughs> I just, I, I really want to. I mean, we've got, it's not exactly planting season right now, so I've got a few months to talk the boss into it. Sure. Well, you, you need to, you know, you'll have to get your seeds started. And I think you start them about February so that you got, you know, your yep. sprouts to actually put in. And all, but I, I agree. But it, it's interesting. And I think this comes back to something we've talked about a lot. The reason that Connecticut shade is now be grown, being grown in Nicaragua and Ecuador and things like that, it does come down to labor costs. 
I th- yeah. Um, I mean, as with anything, when you look outside of the U.S., our, our labor costs tend to be higher, draws, drives up the cost of goods. But I also think it's about experimenting. I mean, last year was the year of innovation. The year before that was the year of the collaboration. I think this is just more of innovation. What we, We've got a, a finite number of seeds uh, of different varieties. How can we get something new, different, and creative with it? Let's try growing them in different environments. And it does make a big difference. And, the, you know, the weather from year to year, it can sit, that's why... It's so hard to make a cigar is consistency. Mm-hmm. You know, getting this an agricultural product to perform the same way twice is very difficult. Right. So yeah, I was really interested. Really interesting article. Um, I don't want to rush this next article because I know this is someone who you like and respect, and you really enjoy his cigars. You smoked one last week. Let's break just a little bit early, and when we come back, let's talk about Nicholas Melillo. Melillo. And Melillo. His, Melillo, is yeah. that how he said? Yeah. And his Connecticut Cigar Company. And this is from the Connecticut Story. We'll be back with that more after this. Shane here with this week's Cigar Under 8. This week, let's talk about the Rocky Patel Royal Vintage. It's been a while since I had one of these. You know, Rocky has an amazing array of cigars under 8. Now, they do, you do kind of get into some of the online-only sales. They do have cigars that they only sell online, and they do have cigars that they only sell in shops. So you do kind of have to tread it. But the Patel Royal Vintage, you can get anywhere. Yeah. And I've never had trouble finding one. It's a beautiful purple and gold wrapper It's um, or label. It's a Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper with fillers from Honduras and Nicaragua. This is a good cigar because the Ecuador does not dominate the cigar. It's really easy for that Sumatra to just take over. And and not a whole lot of the metallic, dry, or overpowering from the Honduran tobacco either. Yeah, just well-balanced but still has enough flavor profile that you can really enjoy it. So until next week, try the Rocky Patel Royal Vintage. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane Reeves, sitting across from the founder of the Illuminati Fumatori, Mr. Trey Dedman. <laughs> Illuminati Fumatori? Fumatori. I like it. And uh, we, in our interview last week, uh, Michael talked about that in a, Italy they refer to smokers as fumatori. Right. So I, I think if we, if we ever start a secret society, fumatori Illuminati, or Illuminati Fumatori, whichever's proper. <laughs> I like it. We'll get on that. I don't. I don't know enough Latin or Italian to know which one comes first. So, and they seem all you have to know is the secret handshake. So it's right over the head, behind the ear. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thumb down, not thumb up. Exactly. You can always tell someone. But let's talk about Nicholas Melillo. Did I pronounce it wrong again? Uh, well, yeah. But before we jump into that, I want to say coming up later in this half of the show, uh, we that same night that we talked to. Uh, Cap, we also talked to Adrian Strickland, who is the area rep for Miami Cigar. So we're going to have that interview coming up in just a few minutes. Excellent. And I'll, Oh, yeah, and before we get to that, we've teased this article to death. This is probably the most teased article in the and history it's really of Cigar not that, it, There's really not a whole lot of content to it <laughs> e- either. It's just, um, so it's Foundation Cigars. Um, you know, I talked about last week when I was smoking the new Highclere Castle, which I absolutely loved. Uh, about how Foundation is one of those cigars that, one of those cigar brands that when they first hit the market, I really wasn't that impressed. Now, we know how much I love the Charter Oak, and now the High Clare Castle was a solid, solid six, creeping up to about six and a half. I, you know, I'm really interested to see what's going to start coming out of that factory. And what I found interesting about this article, this was pulled from... Connecticut Magazine, um, is that, you know, he is, um, he is a native to the Connecticut River Valley. That, to me, may explain part of why I didn't necessarily glom on to this brand immediately. I'm not a huge Connecticut fan. Uh, you can certainly have Connecticut's with a lot of flavor and a lot of complexity, but most don't. Right. Most of the time, you know, um, the Romeo and Juliet white or Monte Cristo white. 
is a good cigar, but I almost never reach for it because it doesn't have a lot of profile. It's kind of a a Connecticut for the sake of Connecticut. And all. Now, the other interesting thing in this article, though, is he talks about Jonathan Drew actually hired him in the early 2000s to go spend his time in Nicaragua because Jonathan Drew didn't want to spend time farming the tobacco. He wanted to spend time marketing and doing what he's good at. And that Malilo was actually moved to Nicaragua, you know, and he said it's just a dream come true at age 24 to be amongst the Nicaraguan cigar makers, which is pretty cool. That's a pretty cool thought process. And the, you know, and the Charter Oak, kind of going back to the um, Connecticut uh, tobacco report that we were talking about earlier, is the Charter Oak is broadleaf. It's Connecticut broadleaf. And it kind of goes, uh, so is the Wiseman Maduro. Uh, the Maduro. So kind of going back to that idea that the broadleaf is becoming so much more popular a wrapper now. Um, it kind of lending itself to that coming out of the actual, coming out of the actual area where it's where it's native. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting article. Um, ConnecticutMag.com. You can pull it up and take a look at it. And he talks about the difference in American tobacco. You know, it's it's always under assault. We talked about it at the first part of the show, and I don't understand why. It's a cash crop. It's, you know, this country has been built upon it. And the other thing that I really like about this article is because, I, you know, I didn't really know much about him. I know that he was sort of deep-rooted in the industry before he sort of made a name for himself. But the, the actual human interest part of this, where it actually talks about him getting, you know, like I said, being native to the area, learning about Connecticut's rich cigar history and getting his just really learning more about his approach to, to the cigar industry itself uh, and talking about, you know, the fact that something that I never would have expected, which is the fact that Cubans and Nicaraguans and, and the people that we famously associate with good cigars actually respect Connecticut tobacco. I always would have assumed that tobacco grown in the U.S. compared to Central and South America would have been sort of looked down upon. And it's kind of interesting to find that that it's not that way, right? That it and the, you know the cigar the cigar community is so inclusive. It's so there's such a small barrier to entry, and it's so inclusive. I can understand that. I can understand the I can understand the perception that someone might someone of Nicaraguan cigar manufacturer might look down their nose at a Connecticut, but he's done very well. And created some some good cigars. I mean, the Charter Oak's about the only foundation I like. But you get you gave me hope with the one you smoked, the High Clare Castle, last week. And I haven't smoked it yet. You didn't give me that much hope, but you have given me some hope. Well, hopefully it'll get there <laughs> at some point. It's it's in line. It's in the rotation now. Update me on your Nicaraguan. We're both about the same level. We're both about halfway through. What are you getting out of your Nicaraguan? Not as much metallic as I would have expected, and not as much dryness of palate as I was expecting either. I am about halfway through my bottle of water, and we're just a little over halfway into the show, so maybe there's you know uh, still more to be seen. Not as much complexity as I would have hoped. Uh, it's it's fairly straightforward tobacco flavors. It's very balanced. It is. It's not very spicy or peppery. Well, and in life, people overvalue balance. I do like something to occasionally kick me in the teeth. I do like when I have a cigar occasionally to catch something that's like, oh, where did that come from? But I don't think either of us was expecting that out of this stick. No, it's, you know, it's a CAO production. It's a mass production. It's still a very good cigar. I mean, I have no trouble. Next, next time I smoke one, I'll definitely have a larger ring gauge. Yeah. Because I... I think when you go to the Corona, you do lose some of the complexities that the cigar blend has. See, this is one thing that you and I always disagree with. I think you get, I think the smaller ring gauge you go, the more likely you are to get complexity of flavor. But if you don't enjoy the mouthfeel or the hand feel of smoking a cigar at that ring gauge, it doesn't matter if it, because you're already going to be that, well, this doesn't feel right. You're going to be taken out of that. Um, I would be. I would venture to guess this is probably the best size for this cigar. This is the only one I've ever had, so I'm not saying that based on anything but pure conjecture. But 
I'm really liking what I'm getting out of this cigar. Like I said, not super complex, but I'm having that kind of day where I don't really need super complex. You know, every day does not have to, every meal does not have to be a feast. Every right. day does not have to be a red letter day. There's days you just want a nice even kill, and this is a good cigar for that day. Yeah, absolutely. For just a good even kill day, but. Um, I guess I compare it, and this I'm probably comparing it unfairly because I'm actually comparing it in my mind to the CAO Zocala, which came out in the same year, which is by far a more more strength flavor forward cigar than this is. Right, but I I think these are going to appeal to different palates. I really I really do feel that way. Um, I think there's something to be found that that fans of both could appreciate in the other. But I don't feel like the guy who picks this up and loves it is going to be the same person who picks that up and loves it. Right. Yeah, it's going to be hard. They're not going to cross cross paths too often. Okay, right. it's time. All right. I've got to get do it, it. Get it over with. That's, I, was, I was just about to tell you. Go ahead and get it over with. But it's time for the part of the show where we pull over and torture Trey. The official results for the CWSWC 2019 are in the Cigar Smoking World Championship. Hey, wake up. The 10th... No, that was the winner. They had to wake him up to tell him he won. Okay. The 10th Cigar Smoking World Championship from Split, Croatia. More than 200 guests from 29 countries. Hey, boss. Hey, boss. um, Got to take a week off work. Oh, okay. What are you doing? Going to Croatia. Oh, well, that's awesome. That's, that's the skinny one near Mozambique, right? No, no, no. You're thinking. Sorry. Yeah, you call it architecture. Is it is it the historic architecture you're going there for, or the the topless beaches? You know, what are you what are you going to Croatia for? I can't imagine there's a lot of topless beaches in Croatia. <laughs> I wouldn't imagine so. But um, no, no, boss. I am entered in the cigar smoking world championship. For a minor deposit of $5,000, I'll even wear our company shirt on the on the Cigar Smoking World Championship. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, we've picked on this enough. The world no, ch- no, we have not. <laughs> we have not picked on this enough. It is stupid. It is absolutely <laughs> three hours, 26 minutes, and 43 seconds this guy smoked one cigar. Oleg Paydon from Russia. The Russians ain't got a lot going on. Because this is the sad part. you got to practice to be able to do that. So this isn't just one time he picked up a cigar and said, how slow can I smoke this? He actually has to put energy into this. Hey, honey. Hey, Oleg. Oleg, take out the trash. Sorry, I'm smoking my cigar. Oleg, it's starting to stink. Still smoking my cigar. Oleg, we got rats. Still smoking my cigar, honey. I'll finish it right out. And that may be where this comes from. He may have a long list of things to do after he finishes his cigar. Yeah. You're only allowed one cigar a day. I'll show you. That's right. I'll take all day. He won this title for the second time. He was also the world champion in 2015. Tomas from Poland finished second. I am certain you pronounced that correctly. Thank you. Winner. Uh, 192 minutes. So, so Oleg won in commanding fashion. 206 minutes from 192. There is still one tremendous level of idiocy that we have not yet gotten to, and it's the last sentence in the article. <laughs> so I am a very, very firm believer that women can do anything men can do and vice versa, with the exception of certain biological limitations. In certain sports, there are gendered categories. And when you look at world record times, it makes sense why they are separated. There are other sports where genders are separated and it doesn't make any sense, like skeet and trap shooting. There's really no reason, there's no advantage that one gender has over the other. For some reason... (laughs) <laughs> there is a gender difference between smoking a cigar. A women's division. There is a women's division. Why that has to be separated out, I don't know. Secondly, she finished her cigar 50 minutes and 43 seconds before the Russian guy did. What possible reason could there be for why... A woman was only able to keep this cigar lit for two hours and 36 minutes versus three hours, 26 minutes and 43 seconds. 
Elena Tronina from Poland was awarded the best woman. She finished a Macanudo Inspirado Mareva at 156 minutes. Now, I wonder, do, do they have a woman's cigar and a men's cigar? Well, it's interesting because that is the only place in the article where they actually name the cigar that they're smoking. So I don't have any way of knowing if that's the women's division cigar or if that's just the cigar for the... Can we... <laughs> We've got an interview with a really, really interesting person, Adrian Strickland. Let's go ahead and cleanse our palate by dropping that in right here, and then we'll come back with a little bit more before we round out the show. How does that sound? I'm getting fired up over here. Sounds like a plan to me. We're here with Adrian Strickland, the Southeast rep for Miami Cigar. Um, how are you? Doing great. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, so uh, you're kind of in tonight for the Toscano event. Um, how has that brand, have you been, were you with Miami when before they brought Toscano in as the distributor? Or? Sure, sure. No, actually, um, the we started distributing Toscano in 2015. Okay. And I came on as the Southeast sales rep for Miami Cigar in 2017. So, okay. So already, you know, getting into the market that had already, you know, been started Nate uh, McIntyre was the former sales rep for the territory. Um, and I report to him now when he was promoted uh, to you know, marketing manager and overseeing a few different uh, areas, I came on board and was able to just kind of build on what he had already started with Toscano and our other portfolio. Excellent. So when we're talking to reps, it's always interesting because y'all's range is so huge. You spend so many hours in the car. Sure. And I'll, what, what states do you cover? What do they consider your state, your southwest or southeast territory? So I am based here in Middle Tennessee, born and raised uh, and for the Southeast Territory for Miami Cigar, I cover all of Tennessee, um, southwest portion of Kentucky, okay. and then all of Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, and South Carolina. Okay. That's a lot of windshield time. There's a lot of podcasts. It's a lot of audio books. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of Spotify. So what did you do before Miami Cigar? So I was primarily on the marketing side. I have a degree in marketing, um, and I've spent about 10 years in healthcare. Okay. Yeah, so... Middle Tennessee is a good place for that. Exactly. And it, honestly, that was never the plan. I didn't really have a plan, but I got a degree in marketing, and when I came into the workforce, that was the path of least resistance. You know, that seemed to be who was hiring yeah. uh, people with no experience, you know? So that's how I ended up in healthcare, and I worked on the hospital side for a while. Also worked in uh, other types of healthcare marketing. Uh, diabetic testing supplies and other things like that. So um, I started working in 2015 just because I was honestly in the beginning really interested in pipes and pipe tobacco. Uh, I started working Saturdays at the Humidor in Murfreesboro. Okay. Where I live. Yeah, Yeah, we know that shop well. That's my hometown shop and uh, I I really loved it. I was going there. I was learning so much. And uh, so I came on. That was my fun job on Saturdays and I did that for two years. And in that time, I really soaked up as much as I could and learned as much as I could about the cigar side. So I kind of had the, the pipe knowledge and everything, and I really enjoyed that. So I had to kind of from, you know, ground zero, learn the cigar side. So I, I told my wife, you know, because she'd asked me, so what, you know, what's the main difference? And I said, well, it's all the blends, all the different tobaccos, all the different process and everything, very similar to the pipe side. It's just everything's in Spanish. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So... Yeah, you just about have to master Spanish to be a cigar smoker. You do. You and do. now Italian as well, right? Right, and now Italian. <laughs> and, and I can't speak either one of them with any proficiency. And I, you know, like Nate taught himself Spanish, you know, so, I mean, that just blows me away. And I, I went as far uh, as to order from Amazon one of my favorite books in Spanish, and I was like, all right, because I took Spanish in high school. Right. It's vocabulary. Yeah. You know, I know cat. I know, you know stuff yeah. like that. Uh, but I, I couldn't catch anything in a conversation or anything. Because it's going at the speed of light. Absolutely. Um, and, and so I bought this book, and I was like, well, I've read this book 20 times in English, right? So maybe if I read it in Spanish, I can kind of keep up because I know where the story's going, right? Maybe right. that'll help me. It'll make it a little more real. No, I got like two pages into it, and I said, all right, well, good on Nate. <laughs> Was it the, the movie uh, The Terminal with Tom Hanks? where he gets stranded in the airport. He buys a book in his native tongue and a book in English, and right. he just reads them side by side. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I just gave up. So it's sitting on the shelf, maybe someday. Maybe someday. Right, yeah. <laughs> so what's the breadwinner for Miami Cigar? What's the one cigar that is the, the staple? 
I would have never dreamed before coming on board with Miami Cigar. Um, it is our flavored line, Tatiana. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, that cigar, uh, all the different lines within Tatiana just sell so well. Um, but there are a few in particular that are just head and shoulders above the others as far as volume. Um, the Groovy Blue is one that, I mean, you know it as soon as you smell it. It is very distinctive. And that cigar, I, by far the number one seller for me in my territory, and I, I would say easily across the, the country as well. So Tatiana um, is our number one seller. And then, of course, we have the Nessa Miranda uh, line with the Nessa Miranda collection, and now also the re-release of the special selection. Which is so good. Glad to hear it. I love that cigar. Yeah, I love it. Um, you know, that's more of our Nicaraguan side of our portfolio. Mm -hmm. um, and I smoked more Nicaraguan cigars, I would say, uh, when I was working at the shop. Uh, you know, the humidor, the, the real big presence uh, with Perdomo. Mm -hmm. um, and, of course, you know, they carry a lot of Dominican cigars as well. Uh, but Mike, you know, you, you end up smoking a lot of what your boss smokes a lot of, right. you know? And so that was kind of, you know, he tended to go more towards the Nicaraguan side. And so, um, I really love the Nesta Miranda collection, uh, the Corojo being a Nicaraguan Puro. It's got a lot of flavor, um, you know, fairly full bodied. Uh, and so that one really, really intrigued me. And I knew about it before I came on board here. La Aurora, uh, while it did really well at the shop. For whatever reason, it was just quiet for me. I didn't know much about it. And and so I really got excited about that when I started diving in the portfolio and smoking all the different, you know, uh, the Connecticut, Cameroon, Corojo, and kind of working my way through that and all the Preferito line. And they're just so good. And there's so much history there. Uh, so I get really passionate about La Aurora when I'm doing events and stuff. It's interesting. Uh, Shane and I are both big Nicaraguan fans. Mm -hmm. But about a year ago or a little more, we had Nate on the show, mm -hmm. and I had always kind of stayed away from La Aurora, mostly because of a price point thing, sure. which I now realize was a mistake because they've got plenty of stuff in the budget arena. You just have to look past the preferitos. Right. And so I started smoking a lot more La Aurora, and I'm a huge Cameroon fan mm -hmm. and a huge Corojo fan, just of those leaves in general, not but... I find that La Aurora does it so well, but I noticed my palate shifting from what was 95% Nicaraguan sure. to now being probably 60% Dominican. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm the same way. Uh, there's so much nuance in the flavor, especially like when you mentioned Cameroon. Yeah. Uh, that's one that I didn't smoke much of at all uh, when I was you know, working at the shop and a casual smoker. I find it's easy to get wrong. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. There, there are more examples of mediocre mm -hmm. Cameroon. Yeah. Because it's a real difficult leaf. Yeah. Uh, to, you know, it's to, very finicky. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think La Aurora, Manuel and Noah, our master blender, just does a phenomenal job with Cameroon. Uh, the Cameroon in, you know, the, the platinum in the in the Preferito line. Yeah. And of course now, you know, you, you mentioned the price point. Uh, now you have them in regular sizes as well. Uh, you know, the, the regular Parejo line. Yeah. So you can get a Robusto, a Corona, uh, or even a Toro at half the price of the, you know, Perfecto that comes in the tube. Yeah. Um, so, and they're phenomenal. They're aged four years before they leave the factory. And I think that makes such a, uh, such a big difference because that was a cigar that I didn't realize I was missing. Sure. And, and once I started, I think that's what we smoked. Or we smoked either the Emerald or the Black label when we had... Um, which I guess would be the, the platinum, wouldn't it? Well, no, the platinum almost looks kind of like a silver tube. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the black would be the Connecticut Broadleaf Maduro. Okay, I think that's the one that we smoked with Nate when he was on the show. And and it was just, it was so eye-opening to know that here's this great, this great cigar. And I've since had the full line. And and it, it, it's it's awesome to see such, such quality uh, now kind of, more widely accessible. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, you know the the Preferito line, the traditional uh, tubes in that uh, Perfecto shape, is always going to be iconic for La Aurora. You know because they've been doing it for so long, and it's the you know real shiny toy sitting on the shelf. You know it, it gets people's attention. It's a wonderful cigar. But you're right at that price point, uh, you, you think twice. Yeah. You know, 
um, and it almost becomes relegated to like a special occasion type right. cigar. It makes me wish I'd have picked it up 12 years ago when they were 12 bucks. Right, right, <laughs> right. Yeah, unfortunately, that's not the case. Uh, and that was a big driving force for releasing the Parejos, you know, mm. the normal sizes. Yeah. So La Aurora, they have a new medium filler, uh, a more low-cost low cigar coming out. What is it called? I'm trying to remember the name of it. We've talked about it. So is this the Cazadores? Cazadores. Yes. Have you smoked one yet? Yes. Do you have one in the truck? Yes. Okay. Yes. I'll, well, I'll see you after the show. Yes. I'd be happy to share with you. It is a fantastic cigar. And at a price point in that bundle, you know, price point, that range, um, it, it is so good, and it, it is really, really tasty with coffee. That, that's a go-to for me early in the morning now. Um, and if you hadn't told me that it was on the budget side of the price point, I would have never guessed. Well, it's pretty amazing. Every, it seems like every cigar company is trying to get that bundle cigar out there. Right. They're trying to get that medium filler, you know, hit a price point in the cigar because all the other cigars are constantly raising in price so much. Right. So it's good to see Miami kind of making their contribution to the market there. And, you know, the DNA by far is number two in all the smokes that I love. Oh, excellent. And all the DNA, and it's my poker cigar because I can light it at the beginning of poker. We play poker here on Tuesday. I can light it at 7 when we deal the first hand, and I'm still smoking it at 9.30 when I win. And it's just absolutely a, an amazing smoke. Well, I'm glad you like that blend. I love it. And, you know, just being kind of a nerd of tobacco in general, you know, with the pipe tobacco and all those different blends and different varietals. And now, you know, on the cigar side, I really get into, you know, the details. And I know not everybody gets all wrapped up in that. But for me, that's what one of the things that, you know, I get most excited about in the Anduyo that is used in the DNA, um, you know, one leaf of that goes a long way. Mm -hmm. It is one of the ultimate condiment tobaccos in a blend. And it's just I like that phrase, the condiment tobacco. That's, that's a perfect expression for that. Well, you wouldn't want to, and I've smoked a Puro, and, you know, it's like smoking, um, you know, Pure Perique or anything that's just really, really distinct. Um, it, it is best used in small doses mm -hmm. to really accentuate other leaves, you yeah. know. So it's not Habano, you know, where you can really go to town with it. And I understand there's some more in the Enduyo usage coming our way at some point. That would be a question for Nate. Okay. Yep. I'm, I'm not I wasn't sure how much they share with you guys early, how much we could, you know, twist your arm and get some trade secrets out of you. So far, we've stayed within my pay grade. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to defer to Nate on that one. Yeah. So tell me, what, so you joined in 2017. What's the training like? The training was probably some of the most fun I've ever had, honestly, because uh, Nate already knew the territory, and Miami Cigar said, we're going to invest in our reps, and I literally rode with Nate for seven weeks, and he introduced me in person to every account in the territory. and. I mean, it, it could have been a nightmare if we didn't get along. Right. It ended up being a blast. We had. I've so never much met fun. anyone who doesn't get along with Nate, so that would have put you in a very strange category. But about seven weeks—that's a long time. It, that's a. It <laughs> is. It, it was like Tommy Boy. You yeah. Know? So we hit the road, and, and we had so much fun, and uh, it was so good to feel like I had a warm transfer, a warm handoff, and being able to kind of carry on the relationship, and not just show up, you know cold out, you know, and, and introduce myself and, and tell them how I'm, you know, going to try to fill Nate's shoes. You know, he was actually there to, you know, kind of pass the torch, and that was great. We, we were talking before the show about how I was a rep many years ago, and, and I had the opposite experience where I just came in working for a company that people didn't want to see me in their shop anyway, right. but with no handoff, with nothing but negative previous experience, and that makes your job so much harder. So much. So, And especially trying to fill someone's shoes like Nate, who sure. was beloved in this area, that's that's awesome that you guys were able to transition that in a way that, that set you up for success. Absolutely. It, it made it so much easier because then I felt like I was literally just building on what Nate had you know, already been doing as opposed to coming in and, and really just trying to either undo something that somebody had messed up in the past or trying to fill in for a guy that everybody loves and I'm already, you know, uh, the new guy. We don't get to see Nate anymore, you know? So. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So the um, 
lost my train of thought for just a second there. Hey, you're good. And uh, the La Aurora, it seems like it's a sleeper. It doesn't seem like it gets the big ads. It doesn't seem like it gets the big publicity. But the people that love it really are loyal to it. Is that is that the experience everywhere? Is there a state that the La Aurora is just the top of the... You know, within my territory um, in the southeast, you, I couldn't say that La Aurora um, as a brand... Um, really fills a niche in in any particular area it seems to be case-by-case basis and so you know I'll go into a shop where uh, everybody's really on to certain cigars you know and even certain sizes you know it was one of the things I discovered you know coming from working at one shop and kind of getting a feel for what the guys want and everything and then you go to all these different shops and you realize well it's similar but it's almost like an alternate reality because these guys may all smoke Toros and they may really be into, you know, boutiques or they may be really into one thing or another. Um, oh, so he's been to Smoker's Abbey, too. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We actually did an event there the other night. Great guys. Um, so I would say, like, I'll go into a shop and DNA will be really big, you know, um, and, and maybe we don't have as many Connecticut smokers or Cameroon smokers. Um, but as far as a brand goes, Absolutely, you know, La Aurora is the oldest Dominican cigar factory, uh, and it's like the sleeping giant, you know, in the room, where there's not a lot of buzz marketing going on. There's not, you know, ads in your face and, and a lot of flashy uh, advertising. They really have built a reputation since 1903, and so that's where I come in, is coming in and, and telling that story and making people aware of the history and the heritage of the brand. Uh, so that they know, you know, the same way it was for me. Right. You know, I've got to pull the show over for just a second. I'm about halfway through the Toscano Originale. It just changed on me. What did it, it do? It just the the earth tones, mm-hmm. the um, the the wood flavors from the from the fire cured tobacco just really came alive on me. Ramped up. Yeah. That yeah. was that's excellent. And and so. As opposed to, you know, your, your traditional, you know, three-part Caribbean cigar uh, where you you might have bunches of different leaves at different places within a cigar and you can see a transition in flavors uh, that way. With the Toscano, you're looking at the same leaf throughout. Right. But I think what really leads to kind of that uh, the transition in flavor is just the way it's rolled, that size. You know, so you're getting to a point now where the ring gauge is at its largest. Right. Right. And it, it, it does. It changes. The complexity of the character just completely changes. That's that's something that I don't remember from the last one I had, but that just, that, that really really caught me off guard and I'm, I'm very pleasantly surprised by it that's wonderful and a lot of times with the the long format I cut them in half right and I smoke them that way and honestly when you cut them in half you end up starting at about that point and mm-hmm. that's what you get right from the beginning I think the Toscano to me it's a cool smoke it's kind of like smoking a church warden pipe it's you just get a cooler smoke you don't get that heat that you get sometimes from because I smoke mostly large ring-gauge cigars. Mostly, sure. I'm a 60 ring-gauge guy all the time. And you get more heat off of that, but it feels like the Toscano is just a cooler smoke as it comes in. And you'll find that you'll be able to smoke it all the way down to here. Right, right. Yeah, you're not going to, I mean, what you consider the nub of a Toscano is going to be just just microscopic. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. by the time you can't physically hold on to it anymore. It's still comfortable to smoke. Right. Uh, but that's amazing. The Toscanos are great. We're sitting here enjoying them now. And um, I've had the Antico, and I'm, now I've had the Originale. And uh, what, what's your favorite? My favorite is the Modigliani, and I'm saying that wrong. I'm butchering it. If uh, Capolini was within earshot, <laughs> he, he'd slap me. Uh, it is all Italian leaf, uh, but it has a lot of age on it. And that blend, where you normally think of fire cured tobacco having kind of a smoky barbecue type character to it, that cigar has a lot more of a milder, sweeter note to it. And it, to me, it's, it's obviously not as sweet as cream soda, but there's this mouthfeel, this coating that reminds me of like a, a root beer or a cream soda. Okay. And I just love that flavor profile. So if you haven't tried one of the Modigliani's, absolutely give them a try. That'll can be you, my next one. Can you get those here? You can get them here at Crown, yeah. So 
it is one that is typically only available in the European market. Okay. We have a specialista program. Uh, and so our top uh, 200 stores in the world, you know, outside of that market, are able to carry some of those ones that you can't get elsewhere in the country. Uh, and so we have a handful of shops in the U.S., Brown Cigar being one of those. It's a specialist account, and they're able to carry the Modigliani. Extra Vecchio uh, is another one. Uh, the, the Special is a short format, mm-hmm. and these are ones that they have extra age on them, uh, and, and they're just ones that aren't widely available in the U.S. market. So, I know what I'm picking up next. Now, right now. We, we are running out of time, sure. uh, but one of the questions that we ask every guest we have on the show um, and so far, anybody that we've had in the industry has never gone off brand. Um, trapped on a desert island. Okay. Quantities unlimited, price no object. What's your desert island stick? Man, that is a really tough question because it changes for me every week. Um, I can understand that. Yeah, I mean, it, it does. It's always been that way for me with pipe tobacco. I'll get stuck on one, and it's just the best blend I've ever had. I'm the same way with cigars. And then next week, it'll be something else. Entirely. You pick up something else. You're like, oh my goodness, I, that is just delicious. How have I not been smoking this every day? And so, um, I would say right now, I am loving the new La Aurora 115. It's the the regular standard edition. Uh, we had a limited edition that came out earlier in the year. They're all sold out. This new uh, standard run, the blend on it. Um, it's an Ecuadorian Sumatran wrapper. It's got a mix between Nicaraguan, Dominican fillers. It's a medium-bodied cigar that has so much flavor, so much complexity. If you ask me today, that's the one I take with me. Excellent. I'm going to have to well, try one of those. Yeah. Well, thank you for being here with us. Thank you for taking the time. You know, yeah, I know it's in so the middle much. of an event, so I, I appreciate you pulling over and talking to us for a few minutes. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. I really appreciate it. Excellent. Thank you. Thanks. All right, one last thing to round us out before we call it a night. Uh, do you want to intro this article? Cause I, so this article is from Inside Hook, which I'm not sure where that's from. It's the advice column. How not to look like a novice the next time you smoke a cigar. As told by a fourth-generation Cuban maker who opened a rum and cigar bar in D.C., I want to jump out ahead of this while I'm still fired up from the Cigar Smoking World Championship discussion. I really appreciate that we are seeing a lot more cigar-related news articles in mainstream news. However, there is a big problem, and we highlighted it last week, and I feel like this falls into the same trap, and it just... As people in cigar media, listen to me. Let me give you a nickel's worth of free advice. When we, as a whole, produce articles and content like this, what we are saying to novice cigar smokers is that you're not welcome. Cigar smoking, for me, has always been such an inclusive event, hobby, and anytime you start telling people that their behaviors make them look like novices or a-holes or whatever the word may be, I think it really paints us with an elitist brush, and I really wish we would get away from that. I agree with that. And this article, as I told you when I sent you the link earlier today, the article's not that great. I mean, it really does very little to actually go where it says it's going to. You know, the What's the deal with Cuban cigars? Why do we care? How does that, what does that have to do with novices? How to check for quality? I'll tell you how you check for quality. Ask the dude behind the counter or the lady behind the counter. They'll be happy to hook you up of a quality smoke. On pairing cigars with rum. That's, Neither here nor there. Yeah. And so, I do think it is worth mentioning, like you did, as told by the fourth-generation Cuban maker who just opened a rum and cigar bar in D.C. So this is an article by somebody who owns a shop that focuses on cigars and rum. I would venture to say he's not making a good case for me wanting to go visit his shop if this is his attitude towards people. But that's So coming back to the positive, let's talk about it. Let's, give, let's each give a couple of tips to someone on how not to look like a novice your second or third trip into the cigar lounge. And I'll, you know, your first trip, you're going to get a buy. I'm always, because most people's first trip to the cigar lounge, they've kind of been there of a friend. 
you know, a friend of theirs has come in um, and helped them. Let, let's go ahead and talk about how do you not appear to be a novice in the cigar lounge? Com- much, much like dating, confidence is everything. Don't be afraid to look like a novice because in doing so, you won't look like one. If you walk timidly into the humidor and if you walk timidly to the cutting station and the lighting station, it's going to, much like dogs smell fear, it's going to allow everyone around you to get the impression that you either don't or don't feel like you belong here. Confidence is definitely a key. Um, But I will say, something everyone can do to not look like a novice, control your ash. Your ash on your cigar should always remain. I generally like to keep between half an inch and an inch of ash on my cigar. Never more than an inch, um, only occasionally less than a half. I kind of like to keep my ash under complete control. Well, when it comes to the less than a half, that's really not under your control because you're going to knock the ash off and be left with whatever didn't fall off. Well, and you can control it to some degree if you don't rake it against the ashtray. Well, that's a good point, too. So don't rake it against the ashtray. Don't fill up the grooves of the ashtray with your ash, the communal ashtray where somebody lays their cigar down and your their cigar is laying on a bed of your ash. That's a novice move. So I will definitely say my... my most important tip, ash control. Have total control of it. Don't let it fall on the floor. Don't let it fall down your shirt. Smoke slowly. Take your time. Enjoy the conversation. Enjoy the area. Um, we had an, an incident here Friday night where I almost slung a boom box out into the middle of Mallory Lane in frustration because some people that know better were playing music. I've, I finally explained to these three gentlemen that, hey, there's 30 people in this lounge. You three are the only ones that want to hear this music, and you're ruining it for the rest of us. To which they said, oh, we don't have control of it. And I said, well, then I do. And I went over there and jerked the thing out of the wall and turned the speaker off, and my next move was to sling it into the middle of Mallory Lane. So don't try to have your own personal show while you're smoking your cigar. But I don't think that's necessarily a novice move. No, that's I, just a that's jerk an, move. That's an etiquette tip. The, the one thing I will say, in, in the interest of, of playing along, I will say you'll notice when you go into a cigar shop. Uh, right now we're recording live in the shop. I guarantee you we are the only people in here currently talking about cigars. Conversation in a cigar shop rarely centers around the cigar itself. There will be little, you know, caveats and and tangents here and there where it gets brought up. But for the most part, everything's on the table. People talk about work. People talk about sports, politics, whatever whatever you want. I, I have seen this where someone is new into the hobby and very excited, and they want to share that excitement with people they're around, and all they talk about or the things they've been researching, the cigars they've smoked, asking questions, what are you smoking? How is that? What, what would you recommend? The cigar is the vehicle to whatever conversational destination it may happen to be that night. Don't, I, I appreciate when someone gets really excited, but don't get so excited that that's that's all you can focus about during that period of time, which is intended to be relaxing and communal. But if you use the phrase, I heard on the cigar cast, you can talk about cigars all you want. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you, hey, I heard on the cigar cast, available on iTunes, Instagram, Twitter, at the cigar cast. If, if, you, if you want to just drop that casually 20, 30 times during a night, don't bother me at all. Right. <laughs> That may be a little self-serving. <laughs> a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm sure both of our listeners will handle that for us. That's right. Uh, I think we got a third one. I heard a third one the other day. Okay, excellent. So I, th- I, think, I think we're growing. And all, that's the good thing about having a small audience. It can double very quickly. That's right. <laughs> but no, the, you know, the novice smoker, here's what you're going to find out. The guys in the cigar shop are very 
they're very gregarious. They're willing to contribute. They're usually people that have experienced a deal of success in their life, and they're happy to share that time with you. I mean, right now, sitting in here, we have businessmen. We have an ex-PGA tour professional. We have, we have all walks of life walking through this cigar shop right now. So, and you'll find that in any cigar shop you go, probably not a PGA tour professional in every cigar shop you go, but... The odds on that are pretty slim. R- results may vary, but you can really enjoy it. So I'm kind of like you. Don't, get, don't let articles like this get you too deep in your own head. Yeah. It, find a place you feel comfortable. Find a cigar you like. Sit back and enjoy. I think that's a perfect point to wrap the show up. So thanks, everyone, for listening. As mentioned before, you can get us at Facebook.com slash The Cigar Cast or on Instagram and, Instagram and Twitter at The Cigar Cast. Um, really stepped up our Facebook posts and all. It was Trey's birthday this week and all. We were very happy. I brought him a nice cigar, which be, being the friend of a cigar smoker makes it so easy because all you got to do is go buy a nice cigar and you got the birthday gift covered. Exactly. Super but, simple. Yeah, super simple, super easy. And give it to him in front of someone else so they feel obligated to go buy him a nice cigar as well. That's, that's a great etiquette tip. If you're yeah. gifting a cigar to somebody who's had a kid or had some other moment make sure there's an audience yeah help, help that guy out but be careful that can be a double-edged sword because then everybody will want one yeah d- don't do it in front of the gurkha rep <laughs> but on, on that rosy note but thank you everybody for listening and until next week have a great cigar and think well of us mm-hmm.